Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. Well, welcome to State of the Nation on TNT Radio with myself, Steve Hook, and my man, Brian Hesher McClain. I'm on the Jersey Shore. Brian, of course, in Central Texas. And, of course, you can find us on live at tntradio.live. Uh, we got a big one. Happy uh, Happy Monday to you, Hesh. How you doing, brother? I'm great, man. It's good to see you. Uh, happy to be here on today's News Talk to launch into a Monday on State of the Nation. Yeah, and not just a Monday. We're doing it live streaming video. So uh, very exciting, huh? Very Absolutely. exciting. Yeah, yeah so very exciting uh, to be uh, to be here and to be seen, Steve. Yes, it is exciting to be seen. And now you see why they said we had a great face for radio, both of us. But no, it's good to be here, brother. And we do. I, mean, I tell you what, we got to... <laughs> We got a big show to uh, to kick off the week and to kick off the new video uh, angle here. So we're very thrilled about that. I don't know if you watched them, um, but Hesher this past weekend was actually usually weekends. You know, our ho-hum as far as news goes. Not so with this past weekend. Saturday, the Washington Post had to issue a retraction, basically a correction, after wrongly reporting that the United States had brokered a deal uh, between Israel and Hamas concerning the fighting in Gaza. Um, and they said, well, you know, it looks like uh, the, the, I think this is trying to kind of lionize the Biden administration as the peace bringers. And then, of course, uh, they came, the administration came out and said, whoop, slow down now. We never said that. We're trying to. It's close, but it's not just up to us. And that kind of makes you wonder, why would the Post get this so wrong? Uh, I think they got it wrong because they're trying to prop up Biden. Biden has been an utter disaster. And they're scared. Uh, and they want to give him, shine him on any positive light they can, which leads us to the big poll release on Sunday. Uh, did you see that, man? The NBC uh, poll released uh, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, not looking good for Biden there in the polls <laughs> yet again. We keep seeing this, and it's funny. You know, they'll put something like that out. We keep seeing things like this, Steve. They put something like that out not long ago, a poll. And then they, they I think it was an ABC poll in that case. They came back and they said, oh, well, this one, you know, does, don't, don't read too much into this poll. Outlier. Yeah, outlier. Isn't that, uh, it's always funny to see how polls are either uh, the be-all, end-all, or just an outlier, you know, depending on the, yeah. the narrative management. But you know, Hesh, the thing that I like about polls, and I agree with you that, yeah, you know, first of all, you'll always hear the same cliched, cliched comments from the media. Well, we need to understand that the poll is just a snapshot in time. There's a long time between now and the election and blah, blah, blah. Now, they always trot that crap out when the poll doesn't look good for their guy. And in this case, their guy uh, is the president, is Biden. But there's a reason that the DNC and the uh, media is so panicked over this poll yesterday. It's also probably what led J.B. Pritzker uh, to come out and uh, compare Trump to Hitler. Can you imagine that? I mean, I've never seen that done before uh, from any Democrat or the media calling Trump Hitler. But because Trump referred to DEI and uh, some of this uh, um, this victim versus victimizer, oppressor versus oppressed attitude, Trump came out and said, yeah, they're all a bunch of vermin. They're spreading this crap. Vermin, of course, immediately picked up on by J.B. Pritzker, then carried forth by the media as this is Trump speaking through Hitler or Hitler speaking through Trump, rather. But if you look at that DNC poll, I mean, that uh, that NBC poll, it's pretty bad, man. It is pretty bad. It might explain the hyperventilating of Pritzker and the media uh, echoing that. But I mean, <laughs> job approval rating it's now at 40% with 57% disapproval rating for for Biden right now. Um, that's not going to get any better, man. I mean, I don't know how that gets better. Then you look down and the numbers there, he really took it in the neck, was the younger voters, Generation X um, and younger. Uh, in other words, 18 to 34. So that includes parts of Generation Z and parts of Gen X. This is the big, this is the young base that he counts on so much. 
uh, they're not at all happy with him. Even And most of this, ironically enough, is because of his attitude about Israel and Gaza. So the Democrats are in a world of hurt. Biden is uh, Biden is uh, is sinking like a rock at the start of the year. Um, Thirty nine percent had a positive re- uh, view of Biden. That's in January. Barely 30 percent had a positive view of Trump. Now that gap is completely gone. Thirty six percent have a positive view of both of them. And Biden has actually lost the point in the negativity scale that Trump has picked up. So even that is huge. Uh, and Biden against an unnamed Republican is a referendum on Biden, and he goes uh, against Trump. Trump beats him in double digits. This is scaring them, and I don't blame them for being scared. What do you make of all of it, uh, Hesher? Uh, well, you know, the WAPO, the dreaded WAPO, is uh, notorious for being a propaganda rag. So, uh, it's no surprise to see them running cover for this administration. Uh, they have a lot of government contracts. Jeff Bezos obviously owns WAPO. Uh, so, you know, Amazon Web Services, uh, one of their biggest customers is the federal government. So, yeah. you know, of course, they're going to they're gonna Pied Piper to that tune. I'm not sure if they're the Piper or the Rat here. Maybe a little bit of both, Steve. Well, I'll tell you something. I agree with you completely. But the thing that's really funny is in trying to help Trump, you know, they're saying, oh, he brokered this peace deal. Well, the peace deal hasn't happened yet. And judging by the sounds of both players in this, and I'm not including the USA, I'm Israel and the Hamas leadership inside Gaza, they're the ones that are trying to broker this deal. And you may get some, I don't think, in other words, I don't think, I don't think Biden's administration is going to have much to do with any deal. But both of them are they hate each other. And that's just the way that's going to be. But as it plays to American politics, <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work, because, you know, bro, as well as I do, there is no way between now and Election Day next year, almost a year away now. That he's going to get cognitively better, that he's going to start walking better without falling down, uh, that he's not going to coddle any more children and whisper in their ear. None of that's going to happen. It's only <laughs> going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. So we could say this horrible poll from NBC, while it is a snapshot in time, it's probably going to be the best poll for Biden between now and election time. <laughs> well, that's not a good look. Uh, if it doesn't get better, well, I don't know. I mean, we could say we're happy about it, but who knows what happens if he does not become the candidate. All of a sudden, Gavin Newsom comes in. We're looking at, uh, you know, <laughs> reopening the Constitution and trying to change, you know, add 28th Amendments. Changed. It's just ridiculous where we're headed with this. So, uh, yeah, it's not good news, even if Biden is out when it comes That's down. That's true. And, and everybody sees it. Everybody sees it, too. Uh, maybe that's why Joe Manchin's considering. Who knows? Hey, by the way, if you missed your favorite TNT radio program or interview, all you got to do is listen back to us whenever you want, wherever you want. Just visit the episodes page on the TNT radio website. Uh, you can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbeam, iHeart, and TuneIn, uh, and any other one for that matter. Now, there's no reason whatsoever for you to miss out on anything happening on TNT radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, time to bring Ruckus into the party here. Tech billionaire Elon Musk is criticizing bogus media stories for allegations that he was once upon a time anti-Semitic following his response to a controversial social media post last week. Oh, boy, they're going after Elon again here with the whole story. TNT radio news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, what is the hubbub, bub? Oh, there's there's quite a bit of hubbub, bub. Um, So um, so he took to Twitter uh, X, that is Musk, that is uh, on Sunday and posted, quote, this past week, there were hundreds of bogus media stories claiming that I am anti-Semitic. Nothing could be further from the truth. I wish only the best for humanity and a prosperous and exciting future for all, end quote. So what happened? Why is he in trouble again? Um, This backlash, uh, the recent backlash, because there's always backlash against Mr. Musk. This time it came after he said 
six very contentious words. Literally, I'm going to quote, so, you know, earmuff the kids, quote, you have said the actual truth, end quote. There, that's what he said. Uh, it was actually in reply to a post that apparently accused Jewish communities of pushing, quote, dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them, end quote. The tech mogul later clarified that, quote, this does not extend to all Jewish communities, end quote, and said the blame should be on groups such as the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, which is, of course, a Jewish advocacy group known for all sorts of accusations all the time. Uh, he says, quote, the ADL unjustly attacks the majority of the West, despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people and Israel. End quote. That's what Musk wrote on November 15th. Furthermore, quote, this is because they cannot, by their own tenets, criticize the minority groups who are their primary threat. It is not right and needs to stop. End quote. Uh, amid this new controversy, we've now got advertisers backing out. Uh, it was actually led by IBM, but we've also got now Comcast, Disney, Warner Brothers, and other corporations who have pulled their advertisement revenue from X uh, after a report by left-wing media watchdog Media Matters charging that the platform uh, was promoting pro-Nazi content in a company statement. X called the report, quote, another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers, um, end quote. Meanwhile, Mr. Musk responded by vowing to file a, quote, thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company, end quote. Yow. Uh, so that's what's going on. Uh, thoughts on this uh, update, gentlemen? <laughs> well they love going after elon that's for sure he's um he's thrown you know ever since he bought twitter uh and the twitter files came out you know it's been uh very embarrassing for the federal government in many ways and it should be very embarrassing for the tech giants in silicon valley because now everybody knows there are quite literally hundreds of confirmed federal uh, workers, be they NSA, FBI, CIA, uh, you name it, uh, in all of the social media platforms. So uh, this is, um, I think this is mostly narrative management. It's an unfortunate style of narrative management to see right now, though, because there is such a thing as anti-Semitism. And when, you know, but it's been normalized now ever since 2015 to throw around the anti-Semitism term towards conservatives, towards anything other than progressive left-wingism, which is making the current uh, conflict uh, very difficult for people to suss out. They, you know, there, there, there has to, it's like for many people, there has to be a side that's being oppressed. They have to figure out which side it is. And then we've got narratives like this that people can cling to, to, you know, uh, back up their their normalcy bias their worldview on this yeah i agree with that uh completely hesher and i, I you know it, it goes to the, first of all the adl has become a liberal cesspool over the last decade that's just a fact and they have attacked anybody and everybody that's on the right it's it's uh, that's crystal clear uh go back and look at uh some of their uh some some of their uh, for lack of a better word, social prosecutions of, of conservatives over the last five or six years. It's obvious where they have gone. And, and and as if to further confirm that, you get Media Matters jumping into the ring on their side. Media Matters, the uh, 501c3, completely nonpartisan, uh, which is crap. Uh, the, the, this Media Matters is, uh, of course, a Soros-sponsored uh, uh, propaganda mill for the left. Uh, so the two of them teaming up against Elon Musk is comes as absolutely is about as shocking as the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, what I'm curious about, though, is this this thermonuclear lawsuit that Musk has planned. Did he file today, uh, Ruckus, or do we know anything about that? Or is I mean, I haven't seen anything on X about it today, but I assume that he's a uh, probably a. Uh, probably filed or planning on it it's it's making the rounds in the headlines just the fact that he mentioned it they're quoting him uh that strong language that he used about a thermonuclear lawsuit <laughs> so um i i don't know um 
he said he he it's it's being reported that he vowed to do this so it was kind of like a threat i don't i don't know where we're at in the official stage of that uh but i did want to share something because normally I, i'm not a big fan of most politicians especially when it's it's time for them to be elected for office uh in particular we have the presidential stuff coming up right now but um i would like to highlight something that at least one common sense person said surprisingly it was uh Mr. Ron DeSantis, uh, in an interview with CNN, uh, he refused to comment about this latest uh, debacle with Elon Musk and whether or not he's anti-Semitic. Uh, so uh, he was read the post out loud and the Florida governor refused to comment further, saying he didn't have enough context to make judgment. And I thought that that was very interesting. Um, I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe more of us should do that before we just take everything that the media, such as Media Matters, uh, to heart uh, as the solid truth, because usually it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. context, Con context It does, and it's the first thing that dies in narrative management. So that's why it's critical that we recognize narrative management when we see it and search for context. Here, here. Yeah, well said. I, I, obviously, we have to do that. And uh, with uh, with with and you mentioned it earlier with Twittergate uh, when that blew up. Schellenberger's got another article out today about how uh, the left is just devastated over the fact that uh, that everything that they accuse Trump of doing as far as being the next uh, totalitarian tyrant, they're starting to say, wait a minute, maybe we're the bad guys. It's a very interesting take by Schellenberger. And of course, he was in um you know very influential him and barry weiss and of course matt matt taibbi uh in blowing up the whole twitter verse that you were talking about earlier anyway interesting uh interesting story ruckus thank you very much my friend all right thanks ruckus this is state of the nation on tnt radio tnt radio's timothy shea i'm a native new yorker i've lived here most of my life i love the energy i love all the cultural opportunities i love just the street scene but not anymore. New York, to use Donald Trump's famous phrase, is now a shithole. Warren Wilhelm, Bill de Blasio, and Eric Adams destroying the legacy in, in just a few short years of Rudy Giuliani and Bloomberg. We had low crime, we had booming tourism, we had booming business, even with the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Business in New York, it rebounded, it was booming. We've got beautiful, gleaming new apartment buildings. It breaks my heart to see what has been done to my native state, whose motto, Excelsior, means ever upward. But these last 20 years, unfortunately, they've been ever downward. Again, not by accident, all by design. And what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is our crooked elections. The Timothy Shea Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Last week on State of the Nation, we discussed the massive fire that damaged a major throughway in Los Angeles. Uh, Interstate 10 was shut down while damage was assessed and repairs were made. The overpass there on Interstate 10 was of particular interest as it had a lot of damaged foundational pillars. We're joined by Patrick Jordan. He's a 38-year veteran and retired chief of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and he served as the former chief of police and security for the Los Angeles County Metro Transit System and the regional Metrolink rail system. Chief Jordan, welcome to State of the Nation. What's the update? What's happening with the I-10 roadway? We've heard it's been reopened. Yeah, it has reopened, which is, uh, you know, so let me... Uh put this in context for you in government work or government speak, never over promise and under deliver, under deliver, right? So what you say is, oh, it's going to take three months and then it only takes nine days, right? And then everybody does a victory lap. You know, they do a photo op. This is a great job we did as government. And of course, you know, everything that failed, uh, that gets pushed aside. But I mean, that's kind of what I see in this whole drama. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> so what happened yep. with the that we were told when we were first looking at it, Steve and I were looking at it, and uh, we were we were noticing that they were saying there was a number of pillars that were uh, damaged. So is um, I, I assume that the the overpass, the bridge is uh, safe. Those have all been examined. Do we know anything about uh, that sort of repairs that's happened? Well, it's Caltrans that would be responsible for that, and uh, I think the feds would be involved too. So I, I'm. I'm confident, as they did their analysis of the pillars, that 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 it's safe. I don't think they would open it up in an unsafe way. But I, I, I think the the more uh, the story behind this is, is we got a shadow uh, shadow presidential candidate and our governor running around, and he was out there on the air talking about how this guy failed and that guy failed. And I think that's really people need to understand what's going on in California and how many of the policies put in place by this governor and his administration is failing. And just this is just one little example. So 300,000 people drive over this little stretch of freeway a day, and that's, that's the minor inconvenience. But we have a port of Los Angeles and Long Beach that brings in 40% of, of the commerce or products in and out from this country. And the I-10 freeway is not that far up from the, the, the port. You take the 110, hit the 105, and you hit the 10, and you hit all the other ancillary freeways to get your product out on truck. That's how important this piece of freeway was. And to have a governor who who has oversight over the contracting process uh, fail to make sure that this piece of inf- infrastructure stays safe, fails uh, to prevent an arson, because he, he's responsible for Caltrans, who oversees the contracts for people leasing space under these freeways. They've been there six times since 2020. They've noticed that there's flammable material under these in violation of the contract, yet they didn't stop it from happening in three years. To me, that's a failure. They have the CHP who's responsible for making sure the freeways are safe. This is an arson. That's their jurisdiction. They failed. And now you have the one, one hanging issue that I'm fairly confident will, will, will add to this problem, and that is or add to the failure just one more one more nail in the coffin talking about how incompetent our, our good hair, good teeth governor is, but uh, he can't seem to manage anything. And that is the homeless population. The homeless population in L.A. County went from 69,000 to 75,000 in the last year. Now, he's been focused on this since he's been a governor, and it has expanded. Just a few years ago, it was 58,000, and now we're up to 75,000 in the greater Los Angeles area. Three years ago, I was sitting in my office, Chief of East Patrol Division, seventh floor, overlooking one of those cloverleaf on-ramps onto the freeway in downtown L.A. And homeless people were living in that cloverleaf. They were barbecuing. They lit a tent on fire. That tent lit two palm trees on fire, and the fire, L.A. City Fire had to come and put it out on our critical piece of the critical infrastructure. L.A. City, they've had an 80% increase in fires in, in homeless encampments. So I'm not surprised that this happened. We know it's happening. And this governor, governor has failed both in monitoring the contracts correctly and in protecting the critical infrastructure via CHP and, uh, and dealing with the homeless population in, in a successful way so we can reduce the homeless population. Those are the three stories that aren't being told. Just the victory lap is what's being told. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We noticed that victory lap sort of stench coming off of the reporting today. That's why we're really happy to have you here. And thanks for bringing up the homeless population exploding, because that does play a large factor in this story. Chief Jordan, please hold the line. We have a headline inbound, and we will pick up right where we left off right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. Bring the news. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. British security services are reportedly conducting an urgent manhunt for six suspected Iranian-backed Islamist terrorists who broke into the country on migrant boats launched from the beaches of France. The interchange connecting Sydney's new airport to two motorways will still be built, but the state budget will be $1.4 billion short after the federal government cut infrastructure funding. The International Monetary Fund released a handbook for global central banks regarding the development and implementation of central bank digital currencies. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, this is TNT Radio. All right, welcome back to State of the Nation. Uh, Our guest is Chief Patrick Jordan. Hello, Chief Jordan. How are you? Steve Hook with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, You said a couple of things there that I found very interesting, and, and, and it's interesting that he would, that, that the great hair and what did you call him? Great hair and teeth candidate uh, running the shadow yeah. candidacy. Uh, I, I, he, he was very focused on the, uh, the victory lap of, look, we got it open in record time, which kind of, it, it beggars belief that they said it could go weeks and it took them a weekend. So maybe it was set up to make, uh, to, to provide the victory lap. Uh, but also this is obviously a homeless, homeless problem. Last time we you were on our, our program, we mentioned that I'm from Atlanta originally. We had a very similar situation happen out there on the 285 connector heading into the downtown metro of Atlanta. It shut down the entire exit for a couple of days, several days, and it was a homeless encampment underneath the overpass that created this fire. Um, so the victory lap is one thing, but there wouldn't need to be a victory lap if uh, Governor Newsom was doing his job, and we know he can do it because they cleaned up San Francisco too sweet once the commies came into town. Uh, is there is there been a, a reticence to do this in L.A. as well? Or is it now that the cameras are gone, are they just going to ignore it and he's going to get back on the campaign trail? I, you know, with this governor, it's amazing. I mean, I was on with, um, with Hester here not long ago, but I talk about Lewiston. And our governor went online and said, we got great gun control laws here. And in Maine, they don't. And this is this is his uh, gaslighting campaign to the to, to to all the voters out there. You know, I got good hair, I got te- good teeth. Vote for me. Don't look past the shallow numbers that I throw out there. But when you dig into the numbers, in California, we had uh, 8.6 murders per hundred thousand in, in 2022, and Lewiston, or I mean Maine, had 1.7. And they have a gun culture there. So, so he, you know, it was it was a sleight of hand, disinformation. We wouldn't have these kind of shootings here, although we got people dying in much larger numbers, percentage of the population, than than in Maine by far on his watch. In fact, in fact, on his watch in 2014, we passed Prop 47, right? And um, at the time, it was 4.4 murders per hundred thousand in California. Now it's up to 6.8. Think about that. That is a complete and utter failure of him and his administration, yet he, he will use Twitter or, or he'll use uh, whatever it takes to, to hide the fact. One of the other ones, and, and homelessness is one of them, he's finally admitted that he failed in homelessness. He's, 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 he's implemented a new program called Care Courts where you can, you can commit people uh, for mental health and drug and alcohol treatment. You, where anybody can, almost anybody can do it now if you have a relationship with them. They're still working out how that's going to work, but he had to acknowledge that he failed, and the hardcore left in his party are mad at him for for doing that. But he admitted we spent billions of dollars, and we we received nothing for it in terms of homelessness homelessness other than more homeless. But you know, one yeah, of the other yeah. ones that I think that well, right, you know, he, the only thing he did good was bring more homeless, you know, and and a lot of that is related to their their bad policies and. And one of the ones that I think you guys ought to start looking at is our gas prices here. So they have dramatically reduced the the extraction of oil. Now, California was the boom state for oil for the last 150, 150 years ago, right? And we still pumped gas. Well, they shut down all those wells, said they were dangerous. So you reduced, you reduced the extraction. They restrict the refining capacity. And, of course, what happens when you create scarcity in economics? The price goes up. Right. I mean, even a dumb cop like me could figure that one out. And what when what is he what is he saying? Oh, no, this is these are the evil oil companies gouging California. Why, why would they gouge just California? Why wouldn't they gouge the whole country? We have the, we have the second highest at pump costs only behind Hawaii 
which is an island and has to ship everything in. That's the kind of failure that our good hair, good teeth governor uh, is responsible for, and yet he wants to be the president. Scary thought. Very scary, scary thought. thought. Yeah, he has mismanaged thought. so many things. And when he admits failure, Chief, I always think, well, he's it's it's tactical, you know? It's like admitting the failure is probably just the lead-in to yet another spending bill, you know? Let's bring in a few more billion dollars here and hand out a couple more $250,000 a year salaries for people to, you know, quote-unquote, deal with the problem. But uh, do they ever? It seems like all they do is make more red tape, more problems, more bureaucracy, and the problems just continue to mushroom. Well, the, the hardcore left is driving policy in the state of California. And you know, there was a, uh, a state assemblyman, I believe, back in July. There's a, there's a rag that kind of monitors what goes on in the Capitol, right? I can't remember the, the name of it. And I can't remember the name of the assemblyman. But what he said was, you know, I appreciate that we are spending on the right issues, but we've been spending on the right issues for many years, and we're not accomplishing anything. And he's a Democrat who worked for the Brown uh, administration when Brown was governor. He's saying we're spending, we're not, we're not accomplishing anything with all the money we're spending. And, and that, that really, in a nutshell, defines what's going on in California. The legislature up here, the governor, they'll spend on whatever, you know, whatever it takes to look like they're good and caring people, even if it's failure. For example, the homelessness. When you look at that, the, the leading cause for deaths of the homeless people are, are overdoses. It used to be methamphetamine. Now fentanyl has taken over uh, as the number one uh, overdose drug that's killing them. And they're dying on the street. So, you know, not only hasn't he housed them, he doesn't do the interdiction to stop the narcotics flowing into those open-air drug markets uh, that we call homeless encampments. And we haven't stopped these deaths from happening. So, you know, for all their hand-wringing about equity and doing the right thing, their policies are failure, failing. They know they're failing. And, the, and he and the mainstream media are doing everything to get to cover it up. Well, you know, Chief, virtue signaling is very expensive. Very, very expensive. <laughs> uh, and, and just to prove how virtuous they are, uh, they spend more than anybody else on it and get a worse result. But the virtue is there. I find it ridiculous. I also find it insulting. Uh, and I think it's also very telling as to who they are these days. It seems to me that their their attitude is, if we just spend enough and talk about these problems, we'll come across as if we care. And what I take out of that is they think the voters are stupid. And maybe in California, in large parts, there, there's a large swaths of that state. There are some stupid voters. But is the rest of the company, uh, country stupid enough to buy into great hair and great teeth? You know, I, I hope not. I, I absolutely hope not. And I, and I was uh, on a podcast with somebody else talking about this, and they say he was actually adopted by the Getty. So this guy, this is a guy that has been born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He's got every advantage. He doesn't know what it's like to suffer. I mean, just... Just the policies regarding um, the climate change, and they're move, moving to anything but, uh, you know, carbon, and and that's driving a lot of its policies. But and they'll say, what do they say? They say, see, they say it's an existential threat. That's what they say. And if you take your time to look up what where Governor Newsom lives, and also they want to stop the farmers from farming because that causes climate change. You know, he owns, he's part owner of a vineyard, and he lives in a 4,000-square-foot house. Now, I don't begrudge him living in a 4,000-square-foot house, but if you're saying it's an existential threat and the world is going to die unless we change, I would think you would probably scale down to maybe a 2,000-square-foot house on some transit corridor so you can jump on the train like you're telling the rest of us that we have to do. That's what you're telling. What we have to, If you're telling farmers they need to stop, fallow some of their fields, and stop farming the way they're farming, then, then why don't you follow your, your orchard? Why don't you follow your, your, your vineyard? Why don't you do that? So is it really an existential threat, or is it really a power grab? I, I just haven't quite figured out. I mean, and we could do, do the climate czar for the United States, John Kerry. You know, I, the last time I looked, he has five houses, and one of them is like 30,000 square feet, and yet he says it's an existential threat. Well, why don't you get rid of some of those houses and move it, like I said, a 2,000 square foot luxury place with you and your wife, and get rid of all that stuff that's causing climate change. That, that's yeah, why I have a yeah. hard time believing these guys. 
Yeah, same. That's these are the burning questions, Chief. Absolutely, uh, we keep hearing things like this from people like that. I mean, boy, we could go through the list. We got actors, we got politicians, we got WEF members. Uh, it's absolutely amazing how many people go throw that out as they step off their their private jet into their uh, you know limousine full of armored <laughs> armored car parts that's three times as heavy as any other car. All right, Chief Patrick Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Follow Chief Jordan on X.com. That's at L-A-S-D Jordan. And check out Morning Coffee with the Chief on YouTube and Rumble. Chief, we'll have you back again. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for joining us on State of the Nation here on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter, if you want to call CO2 pollutant? It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. What, what kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go, but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're going to sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy John Kerry bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3 to 5% of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much ado about nothing. They weaponize weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. I need to go get my rabies shots. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. Pod four swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Report a cyber tip today. Interviews, news, and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, you're back with State of the Nation. Our next guest, uh, well, we discovered him on Stone Zone with Roger Stone as we were prepping for our uh, interview last week with Roger Stone. And uh, like us, this guy has a huge problem with rhinos, uh, quote-unquote moderate Republicans, really Republican in name only, uh, the establishment Republicanism that has gotten the uh, conservative movement absolutely nowhere. Uh, it's obviously, uh, you know, it's not America first for many of these folks. And that's where we're kind of at. So we wanted to bring him on board. He is currently running for Texas 12. That's a 12th congressional district in Texas, which is held currently by a Republican. But guess what? She's a rhino. And that's why we welcome John O'Shea to the show. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Thanks for joining us on State of the Nation. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, why don't you uh, why don't you kind of share with us? Because Texas, when pe most people think of Texas, they think bright red. And for the most part, it is, including Texas 12. Right. But even even a state like Texas uh, can get plagued with these rhinos that aren't really doing the people's work. Explain to us uh, the issues you have 
with Kay Granger, who is uh, the uh, the incumbent to this seat? Well, and in fact, uh, Kay is chairwoman of appropriations. She's long been uh, in Congress, in fact, since the Clinton administration. So <clears throat> we've had rhino representation here for 27 years. And, you know, candidly speaking, she just does not share our values. I mean, she, when she first got into office, the national debt was $5.4 trillion. And today it's getting ready to surpass $34 trillion. And I keep asking everybody, what do we have to show for it? I know there's a lot of spending. And then even in her role in appropriations, not only did she clear the deck and abdicate her office in order to allow Kevin McCarthy to, re to negotiate that uh, debt ceiling limit bill that was uncapped for two years, but then she failed in her promise to get 12 clean spending appropriations bills done. And so we've left Speaker Mike Johnson kind of holding this mess. And, and candidly, I just, I can't go on like this and I can't leave this country in this state to my kids and my grandkids and have a good conscience. Um, and and you're you're a businessman by trade. Um, I was reading on your website, you know, you, you work uh, in uh, construction, you specialize in sand and gravel quarries, concrete, and you're also a real estate developer. So you have a, obviously a business sense. Um, and you know the one of the it's it's rare almost to see people with actual business sense come into Capitol Hill. I mean, as a business person, what's what's your take on the sort of career politician pathways that so many of these people that we're talking about um, hold? You know, many of them have never had a, a job right. like yours or or a business success or you know, and and many Americans wonder, can these people even balance a checkbook? You know, are they even doing Wall Street properly? Are they breaking the law? You know, uh, what what are your thoughts on career politicianism? Well, I think there are really kind of three problems that have led us to where we are today as a country, and one of them is this career professional politician. Our founding fathers did never envisioned us trading the yoke of the King of England to a, the yoke of a ruling oligarchy. But, they, you know, take a look. I mean, it, they view it as their their retirement home, I guess, because they just go up there and they enrich themselves and they don't listen to their people and they don't come back to their constituents. And I think it's time for that to change. I mean, this country is hanging by a thread. And I know it sounds hyperbolic, but candidly speaking, I think we've got one shot to get this right. And that's this upcoming 2024 election. If we don't, we continue down this path towards unbridled neocultural Marxism and authoritarianism. I'm afraid the country's lost. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with that at all, uh, uh, John. I, I think that a lot of people are, are starting to sweat that. Now, as you mentioned, Kay Granger has been in office for a long time uh, in Texas 12. Uh, do you think that the voters in that district are starting to because a lot of I mean, hell, look at what just happened in Argentina this past weekend. I mean, who would have ever thunk? Right. Uh, that that would have happened. So uh, these things tend to go kind of pendulum swinging. We go very far left, very far right. Well, the problem with Kay Granger is she's always been right there just saying, I'll do whatever it takes to stay in office forever. Are people in Texas 12 starting to take note of this? And uh, and how's that working for your uh, your candidacy thus far? Well, actually, I've got some news to break for you then. Um, about a week and a half ago, Congresswoman Granger announced that she was not going to seek re-election after all. So I guess we gave her pause for concern, didn't want to damage her lobbying ability on K Street afterwards. But she did handpick her successor. And ironically enough, my first endorsement was our beloved Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who's been a longtime friend of mine for 20 years and is a true America first fighter for, in the state of Texas, uh, for the whole country, for that matter. And then it turns out the person that she picked is a state representative who's been a part of this corrupt uh, process that we have down in our uh, state house down in Austin and voted to impeach Ken Paxton. So I think people sent the message to Congresswoman Granger, you know, thank you for your service. Please enjoy your retirement. But, you know, I, I don't know that uh, they're aware yet that she's selected her successor. Uh, but I have something to say about that. Good, good. I'm glad you're here <laughs> speaking about that, sir. Um, because I was, you know, I, I watched uh, Ken Paxton's uh, speech at the Heritage Foundation, and right. it was so enlightening. It was so enlightening to see what he had to do to uh, to do his part to uphold our, our election integrity here in the state of Texas. I don't know if Texans really appreciate uh, how much he put on the line. There was a, at least a right. dozen 
lawsuits that he had to put out to make sure that Texas didn't turn into the next, you know, 12 counties in Texas don't turn into the next Fulton County, Georgia, or the next Maricopa County, Arizona. And then these people come after him and they try to impeach him. They have a bogus impeachment. I mean, this is, this is, I'm here in central Texas, uh, north of Austin, far enough north of Austin to be happy. And (laughs) I was shocked when I saw the the way that they came after Paxton over this. I mean, how important is um, is what he did to Texas and how important is that going forward? Do you see Texas in a very vulnerable position right now? I mean, obviously you do. You've you've motivated to to take up your campaign. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that factor here in Texas. Sure. Yeah. And to be candid, look, I never really uh, aspired to run for office, but I can't go meet my maker with a clear conscience unless I do everything I can to help save this country that I love and has given me so much and so much opportunity to my family. But yeah, you know, I've heard Ken give that talk. I mean, there were 12 lawsuits that he had to take and fight all the way up to the state Supreme Court. Otherwise, uh, Texas would have gone the way of Georgia and there would have been mail-in balloting and all types of fraud and shenanigans like we saw in other parts of the country. Let me be very clear for the record, the 2020 election was stolen. I don't care if that makes me a hair on fire election denier. You know, I don't see people being too critical of Hillary Clinton or others, you know, that uh, challenge elections. But I, you know, in my heart, I know that that didn't that that gentleman in the White House did not get 81 million votes. He did not surpass Bill Clinton and Barack Obama by 25 percent in voter turnout. And so, yeah, it, you know, Ken's role that he played was critical for for Texas. And look, we are a bullseye. In fact, Ken has given a similar talk at events that I've been at before. And one of the things that he said was, you know, Tarrant County is where which this district represents is the largest red county left in the country. It has a clear bull mark, uh, bullseye on it. And there is tons of outside money coming in. As goes Tarrant County, so goes Texas. If Texas falls, the rest of the country falls as well. So, yeah, it's a critical race and it's a critical area. And uh, God bless Ken for doing the work that he does and being willing to endure the slings and arrows. And God bless Angela for being such a loving and caring wife and and also serving you know brilliantly in the state Senate. Wow. You know, I, I, what you're saying there is so uh, even folks, I mean, I don't live in Texas. I lived there when I was a kid. I lived in Waco many, many years ago. Uh, I, so young, I don't really remember, but I do know Texas and I do know that it seems to have been a dream for the Democrats to flip that state for a long time. In fact, yep. I would I would posit that that's part of the reason uh, that that the southern border is wide open. They are doing everything <laughs> they can. Thankfully, your governor is saying, uh, "Nope, we're going to ship them to New York." Now they're having a problem with them in New York, Chicago, Boston. In the long run, it's probably going to be the best thing that ever happened to Texas. Getting rid of them uh, and and showing the rest of the world how bad being a border town is. Now that we're all border towns. But getting back to your candidacy, I would say that having uh, Paxton on your side, that is a much better endorsement uh, than than the challenger having Kay Granger on his side. No. Oh, no, it gets better. Not only does he have the support of Kay Granger, he also has, uh, as our uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick uh, dubbed him, California Dade, Dade Feeling, the Speaker of the House, as well as Charlie Guerin and Stephanie Click, who are other state representatives who have angered the grassroots and base to no end with uh, just their failure to pass conservative legislation out of the House. It's very clear. We send a vast majority of Republicans to the state House and the Senate gets their work done. And yet, for whatever reason, this speaker and the one prior to him work with the block of Democrats. And going back to Ken's impeachment, It literally was the Democrats in the House with Republican leadership that partnered up with the Department of Justice because Aaron Epley, who led this secret investigation, left the Department of Justice and managed to somehow find her way running that investigation, along with the Bushes, who were upset that Ken had beaten George P and and kind of ended the Bush dynasty. Well, you know. If they want to embrace each other and form that unholy triumvirate, by all means do. But I'm very happy standing with Ken Paxton and would welcome any other America First support. Absolutely. I mean, it's not enough to even even to elect a, a Republican president, even if Donald Trump is elected. And this is something that Roger Stone brought up on your interview with him, at least on that episode. Uh, 
was that it's not enough. We have to have America first politicians on Capitol right. Hill. Otherwise, these things just don't work. Even here in Texas, I'll give you an example. Um, we speak with Wes Verdell oftentimes. Uh, you may mm-hmm. know him. He's, he's out there at the Capitol in Austin quite a bit. He represent, He's the uh, president of Gun Owners of America here uh, in Texas. And he's pointed at... Yes, absolutely. Same. And he's pointed out multiple times that um, that we'll have uh, Republicans run here in Texas, but then and and they'll be in office, but they'll do strange things that most people won't notice. Like they'll 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 say, oh, well, I'm pro, you know, I'm pro Second Amendment, la, la, la. But then they are they're the person that puts someone at the head of a committee and they know darn well that the person at the head of that committee is not pro Second Amendment, not America first, and then can say to their constituents, well, I tried. It's part of, you know, I tried, but that committee didn't really work out. So are you seeing a lot of things like this going on in the background in Texas politics? Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, we're just, we're fed up. I mean, like I said, this is not, I I didn't think, oh gosh, you know, I'd really like to go spend some time in Washington, D.C. with a bunch of slimy lobbyists. No, I mean, this country is hanging by a thread. And what's been so so shocking and been an awakening moment is to realize that all these people with R's behind their names don't actually represent our God-fearing patriotic values. They're not conservatives. They are go-along-to-get-along type people. And they're done with that. So, in fact, we're, we're, we're actually helping spearhead a group to primary every single one of the voters who voted to impeach Ken Paxton. Because, look, not only is he beloved, but they basically tried to take the vote out of the hand of 4.3 million Texans who had not one year before their impeachment effort had cast their vote for him. So, you know, you hear the left constantly complaining about election interference and voter suppression. Well, what better measure is there than to actually have somebody be elected with all the information that they had available known to the public and then say, well, you guys just didn't do your work right. So we're going to overturn this election and impeach this guy. Yeah. Amazing. It's just absolutely it's, it amazing. Really is crazy. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, John, we're we're just about out of time. Um, so I'm gonna give yeah. the floor to you for the final minute here. Uh make you know, make your case. I hope that people are 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 listening to you because we need America first candidates like yourself. Go ahead. Here, here. Well, look, if you're happy with the direction this country's headed, then I'm not your guy. But if you want somebody who's going to bring common sense, business type approaches to these problems, who's going to shut down the border, who's going to unleash our energy industry, who's going to cut government spending so that we can save our children from a future of debt slavery. You know, I understand people hear these promises made all the time and then they get, you know, their hearts broken when they get betrayed. They have nothing that they can offer me because the only thing I want to do is save my country And then here, when I go to meet my maker, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're looking to get behind somebody who's going to represent your values and is not going to compromise to go along to get along and isn't worried about making friends in Washington, D.C., look me up. Because if I need a friend in D.C., I'll go buy a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Absolutely. John O'Shea. Your website, sir? Yes. Uh, please check me out at O'SheaForTexas.com. We've got uh, all our social media on there as well. If you're in the district, would love you to consider volunteering. And please, for people all around the country, uh, consider supporting, even if I'm not representing specifically you, because we are running a grassroots campaign and I'm not accepting lobbyist money. I'm, contr- I'm the largest contributor to my campaign and we're, we're seeking grassroots donations as well. All right. O'Shea, Excellent. the number four for Texas. Yes, O'Shea, O'Shea, right. Yep. For Texas. There you go. O'SheaForTexas.com is where you go to keep up. John O'Shea, thank you so much. Best of luck in the candidacy. Please join us again for an update here on State of the Nation. This is today's News Talk TNT Radio.